Hello, welcome to Can't Recall, a podcast about how sometimes you just try to do a little podcast with your buddy and you end up reading like a billion books. I'm Justin Bell, and I'm joined by my co-host Josh Campbell. How's it going, Josh? It's going pretty good. Uh, That's good. It's, it's, I will say from the top, from the jump, I know that you mm. just refreshed and watched these uh, episodes right. 7 through 10 of season yeah. 3, but as I'd been like preparing to do this podcast for, I don't know, five weeks i've already Since watched the fourth quarter of the last fiscal yeah. year <laughs> every time i thought we were about to do it i, w- I would re-watch them oh, again. No. Oh, so there was no. no way there was no way that yeah. the, the, that last well, night i was going to go could, and watch them again because i've yeah, seen them like roll nine times now. you could probably roll through it line by line yeah. like i don't know how much value there is i apologize <laughs> to you personally to whatever vestiges of an audience we have left <laughs> uh you know I don't know, man. That one got away from me. Well, you had to read the books to catch up. I didn't. That's not, that's not what happened at we, all. We decided to put a pause on the podcast because so you, oh. you decided the books were going to be really important for going unrelated, forward. Unrelated activities. <laughs> it's just summer, man. It's just extremely summer all the time right now. And I'm, I'm busying myself. Well, at least that's we get all. to do it now. Yeah, that's true. I don't even. Oh, we almost recorded once, and then I had forgotten to take my mic to work. That's that was right. the one that hurt. That was the one that hurt because we were all ready, all ready to go, and then like basically every night after work since then until today, which is a Wednesday, and I didn't work. Uh, something has been happening, which is insane because it's fucking August already. Yeah. But. <clears throat> anyway. Well, uh, give give me a quick uh, recap on uh, the first two books. <laughs> was was it was it exactly the way that the that this TV series played out? <laughs> uh, it's very similar. Um, the biggest stuff there's like a uh, there's a lot of characters that, like I know this has been said in a lot of contexts, but there's a lot of characterization of the rest of the Rossi crew that is in the show from the beginning, uh, and that which doesn't really make it into the books until book five or six. Okay. Um, and it's an interesting question of like which informs the other. Like, did the process of making the show and, like, fleshing out all these, like, Amos and, and Alex and um, Naomi, did that then inform the writing of the books? Because the, you know, uh, Daniel Amos and Ty Frank are, like, very involved in the production of the show and mm-hmm. they write some of the episodes and they're in the writer's room all the time and, like, they're, they're big time collaborators with the TV show folks. Or is it, you know, like, ha- you know, I don't know. You can't un- unspool that entirely. Uh, but it is interesting. And then, uh, yeah, I think Avasarala in uh, in season one, um, and then uh, Anna in the first half of this season, and basically everything that happens in the first half of this season um, with uh, Sucker Secretary, like is all... <laughs> Esteban. Yeah, Esteban's like essentially not in the books, uh, which is like, and I guess, which brings me to my next big summary point which is that like the books are almost exclusively from the perspective of the belt through until book five really okay um like you get like like in the books at the at near the you don't there's no no one says out loud in the books that earth and mars are anything but allied with each other until holden has to explain it to miller in like late in the first book after they've met like after the blue falcon or whatever there's a point where like they're all which would be somewhere in the early season two of um of the tv show 
where like they're all hanging out and uh, uh, like Miller doesn't understand that there is a Martian Navy and a UN Navy. It's just a coalition to them. Okay. Uh, to the Belter perspective, and like you know, it's not germane to the direct plot of the books early enough for it to really get disambiguated. And so, like, like having watched the show, like you can kind of see these moving pieces, and you get you can see read a little bit more of the subtext of what's happening in the books. But if you just read the books by themselves, uh, like you're really getting a, a much more deep uh, and thorough interpretation of 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 the like Belter perspective. And then the show works really hard to like throw in more of earth with Avasarala and like you get some of the Martians and it's interesting. It's a fuller picture in, in a lot of ways, which is fun. They're both really good. So <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, that's interesting that the books that the books direct it from the Belter perspective, because that would be like, I don't know. You, you take the per, the perspective of the oppressed people, like mm-hmm. go back, you know, in history and choose anybody and be like, I don't know. Do the, does everyone, you know, hate, hate Rome and Egypt all like equally, you know, but even though they might be against each other, but all the subjugated masses really don't give a fuck which one it is. Right. And I think that the interesting choice about Miller in the book and then also in the show is that to like take your analogy, like he's sort of at the long end of the string. Like he's, you know, he's Rome's Parthian tax collector Mm -hmm. uh, out on the Danube or whatever, like, or not Parthia is the wrong one. Uh, What's the other? Fuck. Whatever. The one that's now like in uh, Romania. That's the culture oh. I'm trying to think of that, whose name I can't remember. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Uh, but he's out like on the edge of the empire trying to do the empire's business, but of the place. Uh, and so you still get like a lot of like you get a, a, a pretty deep perspective on on what it's like to live at the edge of this uh, at sort of the edge of, of uh, the inner's control, um, which is like really deep and neat. Uh, and then Havelock's in it. Uh, he's much less of a fucking weirdo. Uh, <laughs> like he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't do the whole, like trying to like, he does a little bit of like trying to learn the, um, the various like, uh, uh, uh you know, emoting with your hands, but it's not sign as, languages mixed with the Creole. Right, right, right. Well, and then they they do a whole thing that it's it's there. It's not so much a sign language. It's just like like shrugging, except you do it with your hands mm-hmm. uh, because those are the only things that are visible. And they do it in the same sort of instinctive way, um, like it's nonverbal communication as opposed to like replacing language um, or not replacing language with a different language. Um, there's no sound in space. Yes, yes, <laughs> accurate. <laughs> what else? Uh, and then, uh, oh, I guess Havelock, the other thing is that Miller just like talks him into leaving the station at a good time. Like he, he just sort of like, he's like, all right, yeah, no, that makes sense. This is going to get rough. Why don't I he just does, turn he the lawn? Get, he doesn't get crucified with a bunch of <laughs> I don't think so. Steel it's bolts. been, that also for the context of the audience, i the first book, I read the first book, like the week we recorded last time so the first book's far back for me already (laughs) um but then so i guess to dive into this uh in the books you don't meet anna until the um until she's on the ships headed to the ring 
Okay. And the and like I really enjoy the character of, in the book and I'm much more than the TV show character because the TV show character like they're trying to meld two things that I think are really disparate and are really tough to combine. Um, so for example, Anna uh, in the books is not important to anyone. She's a total unknown. She's a Methodist minister who happened to be on the uh, Jovian moon that was like closest in the like, you know, solar orbits uh, where she was literally just the most convenient person to be the representative of the Methodist faith on this trip out to the ring. Okay. Like that's it. Uh, she was the fir- fam- she was the furthest fledged Methodist, right? <laughs> in the solar who, who system, was like, who close was like enough a, to Uranus. Then you yeah, can- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she was far enough out. She she had enough. She had enough like training or indoctrination. Well, indoctrination not has pejorative sense that I'm not trying to. She was enough a part of the faith that they felt like she would be a good representative, and she was the most convenient. She was like the the point where the Venn diagram met uh, met on like close enough and like also went to the right school. Okay. <laughs> but beyond that, like absolutely nobody gives a shit about her at all. Like she has no special importance. The only reason she goes to the ring is that everybody goes to the ring. There's no like getting off and flying back. Yeah, we um, all we all need a representative for this alien intelligence we're about to encounter. Everyone <laughs> well, needs to be represented. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that there's a there's an element of that. Like it's the, what's preserved is that they they go through the ring chasing Holden like there was no intent to go through the ring until all that stuff um but there's also no like she doesn't she like makes friends with the the fancy lady but sort of by accident and like anna's internal monologue is mostly this lady's super embarrassing yeah (laughs) throughout uh like there's no like appeal to um to try and get to stay she just goes through she just is on the ship and the ship goes through um and then the other thing is that because of the way they built Anna in the first half of season three in the TV show, they have to do kind of this like quick turn and like have her like dive into this sort of very narcissistic perspective, um, you know, that, that culminates in, in um, I've forgotten his name, but in that one officer killing himself. Yeah. And book Anna, number one, so the first third of book three is not in the TV shows at all. It's just not there, um, which is fine. Uh, but in book in the third book, the Anna spends a ton of time on the flight out to the ring, developing a community within like she starts doing services and like she's extremely focused on the people on the ship with her and like is super tuned in. And then in after they go through the belt or through the ring and especially after the slow zone where the speed limit gets restricted, she's like she ends up um being like a conduit and eliciting in her role like ministering to people and in trying to support them um and is very motivated by like being there for these people and given purpose by it uh where you get you know there's a lot of interesting dialogue and interesting expression from other characters about like because they trust her and they know her and they've got this rapport whereas like it's just sort of like we got we know who anna is because anna was in the first half of the of the third season so all those possible perspectives that are then expressed by all the people that she gets to know on the ship in the book she just has to like find a way to work all those in yeah yeah (laughs) like a couple episodes of tv it's because they had to it's because they brought her in as the uh the the guiding conscious force of esteban right like now she has to play out this arc where 
she has guilt over the way like that all went down because she wasn't yeah. able to like save Brazil from getting hit by nuclear weapons from space. Right. And uh, Aaron writes, you know, laid that whole bag on her as if it's right. like, it was all her fault. If she had never showed up, that probably wouldn't have happened. Yeah. And um, so now she's like getting just stripping herself back down to her roots to try to be like, OK, I'm just going to be righteous. I'm going to be like uh going to be as Christ-like as possible here. I'm just, mm -hmm. you know, going to be this conduit for good. I'm here trying to represent all the best things of humanity. And then we just get to see her continue to fuck everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Plus, in the, in the books, she's like a very... Uh, you get a lot... Like, she's much less of a um, polemic thinker. Mm -hmm. uh, like, the very first thing you get with her is that there's a guy in her little community on this moon who I think if I'm right is like abusive to his wife physically. Um, and sh she essentially figures out that it's like escalating and it's never going to end. And like, so her version of morality is that I, I can't remember the exact mechanism, but she basically like puts her thumb on the scale and like communicates to the guy, like you're leaving now, like your wife's never going to leave you. So I'm going to get you to leave. And if you don't like, here's what's going to happen to you. And I think if I remember right, like goads, him into slapping her once like goads this guy into slapping Anna mm -hmm. and then has that record and is like well now I've got you on tape like physically assaulting me doesn't matter if your wife never is willing to like I'm know, gonna report it yeah. I'm gonna report it you're gonna go to jail or you're gonna leave and never come back and like it's a more complicated character like that's a very complicated thing to do mm -hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> and, and like Anna's like her perspective like carries through of like a much more like she has a firm sense of morality but the way she handles each situation is less uh uh sort of uh i don't know plug and play is the right word but way more reactive like way she's a deeper um she sees she sees the world like more uh strategically i think and is reacting less and like acting out like trying to move things the way she wants them to be more yeah. Um, all of which is lost in the TV show version, which I just think of as a t an entirely different character. Yeah, I think like, it's she's created for the TV for the yeah. show, right. and they had and to I, like carry it out. And I think it's like uh, there is something going on with uh, the whole. I don't know if the TV show is trying to say something bigger than the books do about these sort of unwavering faith-based religious mm. ideals that pro, that uh, influence people to do things versus like the curiosity aspect of not knowing what's going on and that being the influential thing of why why different people are doing things because like Holden is doing all of his stuff it but it's not on faith his stuff yeah. is trying to find the answers to things right and right. her side is like, I don't really it's just like yeah. <laughs> it is it is very much a faith-based uh you know I God put me here for a reason and I'm I have a special purpose to be here and it's all going to work out cuz I right. I'm I'm the extra special one that was created just for this moment type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess so one thing that I forgot uh to mention with there's some changes to Miller's character the biggest of which is that uh he has an ex-wife in the first book instead of having like a person that he's on an on and off again relationship who's also on the police force okay. and that ex-wife is not in she's like gone she's left series or whatever um but he spends a lot of time thinking about his ex-wife and a lot of the things that 
other people say to him in the TV show that like move him around are things that she had said to him that he's like ruminating on while drunk. (laughs) 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 And so I guess like the point I would make, the reason I bring that up now is that I think that both that change to Miller's character and then a lot of stuff they do with Anna is that, uh, you know, it's difficult. Like I think that they've, the authors have spoken about this. It's really difficult to take something that's a book medium and to take the interior lives of, of certain characters, which they really wonderfully, uh, uh, you know, um, detail in the books and just like flop it over into a TV show. You have to, you have to find other ways. TV is just such a different medium. Um, you can't just have hours and hours of flashbacks to explain the dynamics of this person's personality. Right. Right. Um, and then they've talked about before how much they've learned from TV about the way that you don't have to say shit on TV mm-hmm. like there was I, f- I forget I don't remember the I was watching them discuss uh, maybe with the uh, the alt shift X guy whatever but they were talking about uh, like early in making the TV show they kept writing these lines of dialogue <laughs> and then when it would come time to shoot like those lines would be like X'd out and like they would be like how are the audience going to know what's happening and the response from um, the showrunner would be like the music will tell them like the, mm-hmm. you don't have to say it they, we'll, we'll build the it. tension yeah right everything will be there because you know it's a you know because we know how to do this shit like let us do our <laughs> fucking job <laughs> um and like they, i don't know that's just such an interesting idea and it's neat to see it played out um and then i do think that a comment you made in our last episode about the who they chose to play anna is also i think a part of it like mm. that, I don't know if they cast her early enough that to write elements of the sort of character that we as an audience expect out of that actor. You know what I mean? Yeah, but there yeah, is like yeah. a symbiotic, like, you know, TV is so much built like brick by brick upon itself. Yeah. Uh, and books, of course, are too. But like you get more time to like, you know, lay out your thesis in writing to be very literal um you whereas on tv you, you have to just take 20 seconds to show anna like helping a guy up in a political right. riot right no like, exactly oh, okay i get oh, it she's yeah, yeah. like yeah <laughs> she's and then been that's a crusader time you, for the oppressed her whole life right and then that's time you get back right because yeah. you've got 48 minutes every week to get across what you want to get across whereas in a book like uh they talk a lot about how daniel abraham and particular came in with like a chapter is a certain length and a book is a certain length and like that's just what we do and all the books are almost identical size and the chapters like definitely have a form to them in that sense but it's just not a, not it's nowhere near as restrictive of, of a you know if you if you take the time to really flesh somebody out you can have that pay off in different ways whereas tv if you can get if you can get the audience to understand who somebody is in a half second interaction with a dickhead cop then you all right great now i can yeah, move yeah, on yeah. <laughs> just like you're saying so anyway so the there you go yeah good good <laughs> recap so this is the st- <laughs> this is episode 1 of can't recall <laughs> yeah it's pretty much well like the the uh this is the the beginning of uh the third book yes that's adabon's gate abaddon adabon abaddon abaddon Ab- a boner's gate. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't think they ever say the name of... Like, there are some that they work the title in. I don't yeah. think this is one. I don't know how it's pronounced. Um, but it's also... So, I think I said this already, but it is when the the TV show and the books, like, really 
depart from each other in, in the most meaningful ways. As a good example, uh, it's taken a se- took a season and a half to get through the first book. It took a full season's worth of episodes to get through the second book. We're doing the third book in half a season. Yeah. It's very compressed. <laughs> well, and they skip just six months into the future from where yeah. we just left off. And all that shit is in the books. Like everything that sets up how the TV crew gets on this damn boat is in the book <laughs> in like a fairly large amount of detail. And yeah. it's interesting. Like a lot of and a lot of it is like the inner workings. It's a lot of what they talk about with like they wanted to see like truckers in space. It's a lot of like how you get jobs as a trucker in space. Right, <laughs> like right. The- <laughs> If if uh, uh, if uh, you hadn't agreed to pay the legal fees for, right. for all of the all of the damages that we've been we done six months ago, uh, would you? Would we have right. been doing this documentary? No, we would. We would not be yeah. doing this documentary. And like, and there's a. I guess the one thing that that is interesting in the books that doesn't make it in the show is just that Holden is like super motivated to get as far from the ring as possible. Like he had taken a job where Naomi was like, I don't know what we're taking on as cargo, but it's clearly like we're being overpaid and they the boxes are sealed like we're smuggling something like mm-hmm. why are we doing this i thought we had a code and he was like because it's the job that took us the farthest from the ring <laughs> and then <laughs> they're like at the dock ready to load up and the like contract calls and is like cancels and he's like how and it instantly in holding his mind he's like so we are apparently in so much shit that people who want to smuggle stuff across the solar system won't do business with us. And then at that moment, like this apparently extremely attractive woman shows up, uh, the Alex tries to hit on, or no, the Amos tries to hit on. And then she serves them (laughs) with papers from Mars that they're being sued for the ship, (laughs) which is the shit that they're in that then enables this production company to like pay their legal fees, quote unquote, so they can continue to operate as long as they'll go to the gate. Whoa, whoa, um, hold on, darling. It's a legitimate salvage. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, whatever. That's basically the first third of the book. That and then, like, way more building in and building up Clarissa. Uh, or Yeah, Melba. yeah. And but. and they do, I think they do a good job in um, in these first four episodes, or yeah. episodes seven through ten, but the first four episodes of the third book of giving you that Clarissa backstory and how that interacted with Julie and how that oh, interacted yeah. with the dad. And yeah. You and know. the show gives you way more of that. Like the show in ways that the book never really establishes Jules Pierre um, and Julie Mao, like as in, in, independent characters, uh, the show plays with that in ways like there's nothing, there are not specific flashbacks in the book from her. Like there's her like thinking about them in general, but not like remembering specific things that happened when she was a kid or when she was younger, not, not a child. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get a lot more of that in the show, which is neat. The book also has like, is way darker. <laughs> like she kills Ren uh, and then breaks his body into pieces and shoves him in the locker that's in her personal quarters. Oh, and like instead of seals just the- <laughs> him, Yeah, and seals him in with a bunch of like foam, like like so that he doesn't rot. Yeah. And then later on has to move, like she's gonna get transferred to a different ship, so she has to break him out of the foam and put him into her like locker, like her, not her locker, but her like, Kate, like her storage, yeah. her foot locker. And like, put him in more foam <laughs> so she's like like her level of commitment and how long it takes her to feel bad about it is like you know 
a much longer, slower curve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, sh- gets- you know, they show her being real nervous about uh, yeah. planning the bomb and like, uh, I don't know, should I be a terrorist? I guess I need to be a terrorist. I've got yeah. to do this, you know, type of thing. And uh, <laughs> yeah, she has a lot more, uh, the, in, I guess in the, in the show, she has way more uh, sort of conscious awareness of being like, ah, oh, I don't know if I yeah. should really do this. Oh man, why did you have to show up, Ren? Now I'm gonna have to kill right. you. This is gonna suck. I really don't want to kill anybody, but I guess I got to. Got you know, gotta do what you gotta so do. So that I can blame Holden for everything for ruining my <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah, um, and they also invert the power relationship with Ren. Like she buys her way onto the ship as Ren as the manager of that technicians group. Um, oh, and, and that Ren would make figu- sense if she was like wealthy and had connections, right? And then Ren figures out pretty early on that she actually doesn't know what she's doing, and like he, like she levels with him to an extent of like, you know, I, I'm trying to make a change in my life, and I took this job, and I, you know, I had some buddies who helped me get it, but like you're right, like I'm not really exper- And then he like, like, you know, puts his arm around her metaphorically and like teaches her how to do her job while also teaching her all the technician stuff. Like, it's a very, like, the friendship that they develop is, is like, a lot deeper. Um, because, if, again, you know, they've got a third of a book that's not in the TV show. Right, right. So. Well, yeah, and you've got the whole, the, the TV show just skips. Like, we the last thing we saw of the protomolecule was the big zit pop out of Venus. Yeah. And. The spaghetti monster. We, uh, in six months, it was able to get from Venus all the way out to the orbit in between Saturn and Uranus. Right. And construct itself into a ring. Yeah. And I think the show does a really smart thing by introducing, um, what's his face? Mineo. Uh, Mineo. Yeah. Yeah. Because I love Mineo. <laughs> I, I think it's important to remember, like, We've talked a lot about like the belt and everything is happening like between the belt and the inner planets. And then we've had like a couple skirmishes on moons that are out in the gas giants like Saturn Mm -hmm. and and Jupiter, but not like a ton of stuff going out beyond any of that. Right. And like to get that far out is way, 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 way farther than like the distance from the asteroid belt to Mars or any of those things that we've already been, you know, struggling with like communications over distance and all that type of stuff. So the thing that they do with Mineo is awesome (laughs) because, you know, not too long ago, Eric and I on the uh, Riding the Taurus did uh, Voyager 1 and 2. And the first time I saw this season of the expanse or this episode of the expanse like all i could think about was the slingshot path that they sent those two ships on in order to get out to the get out to the outer worlds yeah and they had to use these slingshot methods in order to get those two spacecraft out into deep space they would just never get there if you just launched them in a straight line from earth right and his whole ship and his like whole bit is designed as a slingshot racer to figure out those crazy um, uh, forces of gravity that you can use to whip yourself around and get like way more velocity in order to make these distances a lot shorter. Yeah. So I love how he starts and he's just done like the Jupiter run, you know? And right. He's like, hell yeah, I can't wait. Everyone's going to see my top scores. Just did it. 
just did it faster than anything's ever done it before. <laughs> and right before they're not about to announce his scores, he sees the first thing about the ring starting to develop. And he's like, oh my God, what the hell is this bullshit? <laughs> well, I guess I'm going to have to just, they'll, they'll really hear about me when I finish this Saturn, John. And that's the way it goes. Like with Voyager, it was like, we did Jupiter and we mm-hmm. both did a slingshot path that took us directly to Saturn. And then based upon how the the mission went with Saturn, like Voyager 1 continued in one direction and Voyager 2 was able to slingshot around and continue to Uranus. So yeah. he does basically the exact same thing. Like, <laughs> right, right. Um, but it takes, it, it does, it takes him like another, whatever, three to six months to complete that whole journey. So we're getting that time. Now we're contemporary with the ring being done and Holden getting out to the ring and we're sending the UN ships to the ring and the belts got the fucking Nauvoo going to the ring. Right. The behemoth. behemoth. Yeah, going yeah. to the ring. And so he gets back <laughs> from the, the 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 Saturn jaunt, just breaking those records with blood coming out of his nose because he almost melted his brain with G-Force. <laughs> <laughs> and still the news is just talking about James Holden going to the fucking right. ring. Right. And what they do with the show that's really fun is that like in the in the books there, like he's a, a point of view character for a little while um, and you do get like a like you get a, a literal sense of time on it. And in the show, they summarize it with like some like phenomenal. I mean, some of the songs are good and some of the songs are bad, uh, They're great. but but well, <laughs> some of the songs are good and some of the songs are bad. The second one, the one that's the montage of him flying past all the planets, that one's fucking incredible. That's that's a great song. Uh, but they also like, as we all have learned uh, from the Jake Bet payoff, uh, like they give him this monster beard by the time he goes through the ring. Yeah, and like I don't know if six months. I think it's longer. I mean, it's he has a like a, at least a year's growth of beard. Oh yeah, he's still uh, after the slingshot from Saturn. He's gained enough momentum, but he still has to make the trip to Uranus. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. And the books, the book is good about like getting into how fucking like the ring is not close to anything. The ring yeah. is not locked to anything. Like it just it just went wherever the spaghetti like where the squid wanted to, and it built itself. Uh, and then it's just sitting there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, everything is far from the ring. Um, but anyway, yeah. And to also to like give you the sense of time, like, uh, Mineo, you know, he's like, he's doing all this race for the glory of the belt, but also because, you know, he wants to impress his girl. Yeah. Who in the book is also his cousin, which then makes his brother's actions quite remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> that's weird yeah Um, it's a lot (laughs) but yeah Um, so he completes the uh the uh the saturn bender and he you know messages his girl he's like i know it hasn't been on the news but uh did you see i broke the record oh shit she's already sent me a message while i was oh no and it's the dear john message with uh (laughs) your brother walking behind like hanging dong which like i mean i get it (laughs) that man has got a lot going on (laughs) She's like, I'm like, just so lonely, you know. You've been yeah. in space for he months. He sees the real. He sees the real me. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, tough. It's a tough thing. Which cues like my favorite song, Belter version of a song that's played in the show, which is uh, "I'm All Alone," which is a Belter rendition of "All by Myself." <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm just gonna play a little because it's so Go great. Go for it. <laughs> Oh, it's beautiful. 
Mía. Sénteme solo. great it's all in it's all in belter language except for the chorus of singing i'm all alone instead of all by myself it's, <laughs> it's the greatest yeah <laughs> it's really it's really beautiful and i do think you know if uh maybe if i have a recommitment ceremony on a beach in mexico someday <laughs> you know uh, the fact i mean i guess it still says i'm all alone so it doesn't really fit but i don't know i do need to work this into my life in some in some way outside this this little podcast we do yeah, it's, so poor Mineo's floating in his sorrow, just broken yeah. up, doesn't know what to do. But then he's, you know, watching the news feed comes on again. He's like, you know what? You know what's going to win this love back? I'm going to send her a message and saying, I don't care what happens. I know what to get you back, baby, is I'm going to be the first person to go through this ring. I'm yeah. going to make it for the belt. Claim it for the belt. It's going to be for us, baby, just me and you. And he, <laughs> you know, sets his course. And right before he gets there, she he gets the message back from her that's like, you know what? If you do this, I'm totally getting off your brother's dick, and I'm back right. on your dick, buddy. <laughs> well, and she's got like her posture is like I don't know how to say it. She's very boob forward. <laughs> <laughs> like in the last message, like she was just kind of there, and in this one, she, yeah, it's a different message. It's yeah, a very and Maneo's eyeballs turn into like the cartoon wolf from you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the dinner plates oh, ooga. Ooga. <laughs> yeah it's good it's a good scene uh and then you know then he goes through uh, yeah he avoids he 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 avoids the thomas prince shooting him down by saying ah oh, my drive just having trouble with my drive uh. what yeah 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 <laughs> in the in both he's like such a fucking dick about it too he's like like i'm trying to play like the dumb belter or whatever and then the second like he crosses the threshold he's just like fuck you guys yeah <laughs> bunch of dumbasses <laughs> <clears throat> oh but then we but, get the great moment Though yeah. what we realize what's on the other side of the ring is uh, this giant slowdown zone, mm -hmm. and it basically arrests his ship from yeah. going all of the speed it's generated from one slingshotting around Jupiter, then slingshotting around Saturn. It's gained <laughs> so much speed. Um, it's going a fraction of the speed of light, like faster than the drives can actually propel it to. Yeah, and uh, he basically hits a brick wall, and mm -hmm, his whole, mm -hmm. his entire body liquefies inside of the ship. Yeah. which, you know, one thing I'm curious about, like physics-wise, I guess the ships are just so strong to handle all these so different g forces and gravity forces that the ship not. doesn't collapse. It's not about. It's actually so they, uh, so they don't explain it. Explain it. So my my understanding, my interpretation uh, is that. The purple, right, mm -hmm. like the cyst, as Anna calls it, is actually preserving and protecting the 
uh, exterior of the ship. Like it has a like it does, okay. right? It uses its uh, you know extra physics potential um, to like bring to to evaporate that momentum in such a way that it does not impact the structure of the ship. It just doesn't understand that there's soft stuff inside it, and so it doesn't okay. carry that through to the interior of the ship. It like, doesn't do anything to the organic stuff. Right. It's not meant like Miller actually gets into this in the books somewhat that the slowing things down is not defensive. It's not meant to hurt anything within the context of the things that built the slow zone. uh, It would not have been harmful. Right. Like whatever, Mm -hmm. either because of their ships or their anatomy or just whatever, like that sort of slowing down would have been compensated for appropriately and it wouldn't have been a big deal. Um, there are other things that the station can apparently do that would be defensive, <laughs> yeah. which would be uh, very different from just being slowed down. Um, so anyway. Yeah. So I mean, that that was like, in my mind, obviously, science wise, I would think that if you had the slowdown, like everything in the ship would experience the slowdown the same way Mineo's body experienced the right. slowdown. So it would all even if there wasn't an actual wall that it hit, it would mm-hmm. crumple like it hit a wall. Right. But if the protomolecule is preserving all of the technological and structural yeah. pieces, but not any of the organic matter, then that makes a lot of sense. Right. Yeah. And, and that's it explicitly. Like the, the, it's the, the structure of the ship itself, like the contiguous structure of the ship is like has its momentum evaporated maybe is the best way to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that any, like a chair that's not nailed down inside the thing is going to slam into a wall and explode. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just that in the, like in the, the one we get the biggest sense of it is, um, Mineo and there's not a ton, like maybe the only other thing that could have done would have been to have the, um, like if he had like a, you know, bag of liquid in the back and have that go mm-hmm. flying, you know, essentially, disintegrate against the wall as well um but i feel like they gave us enough to look at oh yeah like they did a lot well and i i really like that the show does this mm-hmm. because both times where we've changed from books we've had these um sort of outlier storylines that help us thread what the what the main characters are doing to what they're going to do in the next what their next adventure is. Yeah. So like we had the Epstein drive last time when we switched from book one to book two, which really mm-hmm. explained a lot of things to help maintain your perspective of how far things are in space. Um, because the TV show does take a little bit of liberties, you know, just because you got to like fit it all yeah. into 48 minutes or whatever. Right. Um, and so again, they're giving you another perspective of the vastness of space, but then also this whole thing that Mineo does sets off a chain of events that um you know fortuitously coincides with clarissa's plan yeah yeah (laughs) and (laughs) and essentially sets where everyone was in this mode for a six-month period of all right maybe we're all in this together against this ring thing and we should all you know kind of have mars earth uh the belt all sort of have a kumbaya moment like just Mineo flying through this thing basically yeah. puts everyone at odds with each other again all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other thing that's fun is that, so I think, I don't remember how they represent this in the show or not, but in the book, like Mineo can see through it. Like that, that, that sort of 
opacity isn't there until he contacts it. So he's got it all set up thinking he'll fly through the ring and then he's like got it set up to like slow himself down on the other side and these sorts of things. Like he thinks he's he does you know, no one knows. Mm-hmm. And so then that opacity begins to exist when he strikes it, which is kind of a neat and I don't remember I didn't I wasn't watching for it. I don't remember if that's in the show, in the show. Um but yeah, exactly. Like they like they don't even like they're going out to take a look at the thing. Uh, but the idea that it goes somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's either an entrance or an exit, as they, they sort of get into around the around the observation table, uh, really doesn't occur to anybody until he hits the damn thing, right? <laughs> which which I agree with you is somewhat fortuitous for Clarissa because it sort of stirs the pot. It's more fortuitous for the Rossi, yeah, because. Without it, they would may, may not literally may not have occurred to them to try and go through the thing. Or, oh yeah, or that there would be something on the other side that where they might be safer. Mineo going through off. is what manifests uh, Miller back into Holden's mind. Yeah, yes. It's like, yeah. and they go back again. <laughs> Miller has another great time where he gets to look at like some screens of old footage and look at time clocks and be like, wait mm-hmm. a second. Right when Mineo went through that is when I had the vision of Miller. Let's go back yeah. and look at the security footage. He's so yep. good. It's like his favorite thing. He's yep. really good at it. <laughs> and that is like where that's like straight up. That's a whole scene from the book. <laughs> that shit is right on in there. <laughs> just if, if Miller could just sit in a room with just CCTV and like right. timers, like that would yep. be his his life. If he could just lock himself in there. <laughs> He'd figure out a lot of stuff out. <laughs> um, so I think the the other stuff to kind of double back on really quick within this episode and these first couple episodes, really. Um, so we got a documentary film crew who are poking and prodding at all of the little seams they see on the crew, the amongst the crew of the Rossi. Um, Monica and the blind cameraman. Monica and the blind cameraman. Uh both of them make a pass at Amos to try and open yeah. him up, which doesn't really go anywhere. I don't and I shit where I eat. Yeah, yeah. And I had always, I thought it was like really much more cynical until this rewatch, um, because I think that the cameraman guy misunderstands Amos's relationship to Prax as described when yeah. they're discussing the like. I had just thought that he was like, you know, if you don't like her, maybe you like me. But I, I think there is actually like a little bit of a lead in where he might he might assume that like Amos actually does like, you know, have relationships with men. Right. Cause he um, kind of describes him as the best person I've ever met in my life. Right. My best yeah, friend yeah, yeah. in the world, the most <laughs> yeah. intimate relationship I've ever had with another human being. All of which he, is he true. He made this plant table. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We call those, uh, yeah, prax, whatever, you know, prax walls or whatever. Yeah. Uh, all of which is true. Like all those things are exactly true as you've described them and none of them have anything to do with what the blind guy is hearing. Yeah. Uh, but, (laughs) um, and then interestingly, so in the show, Naomi's on the behemoth, uh, Mm -hmm. which is, which is not a part of the books. There's like several changes there, which I don't know how much, how interesting it is to get into all of them, but they basically like, they, they work Naomi over there, um, to, to be, to round out the crew of the behemoth, uh, and the interaction in the show between, uh, 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 drummer and Ashford, who are both like incredible characters and super super like drummer's not in the book uh there's another guy named bull who's not in the show um and then ashford is like a different human being like not even a relationship between the two uh from the way he's in the book and the guy in the show is fucking incredible awesome like the hardliner is so good yeah and like such an interesting like 
that like layered experience amongst all the people who make up the OPA um, represented like through Naomi and drummer and, and Ashford and the way that they can interrelate and interact and like still see value in each other. And that like, uh, and Diogo's uh, back and fucking Diogo. <laughs> hell yeah. And the, the fucking dressing down Diogo yeah. gets where it's like, uh, like, yes, like we are, we will, we are factionalized, but we are knit together and like, you will fucking respect the chain of command. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is no longer the bunch of random gangs on the streets, buddy. We're trying to be right. legit now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. And the stuff with Pixie's interesting. Mm-hmm. Like they, like, uh, it seems know, it just, a little like watching. It's probably just because I watched it so many times too, but <laughs> sorry again, it seems a little bit like not a thing that the expanse has done before and where it's kind of like, okay, we're going to have like just a thing that's only going to be about five minutes of a storyline and it's just going to advance this deal here and then we're going to, just so we can have like Naomi and Drummer have like a communication moment. It's, I don't know, it feels like, it felt much more like a, like a procedural drama or something that you would see on like network TV, like a, like a storyline that would have been written into, you know, ER or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's fair. I think on the in the book they spend so there's a guy named Bull, who is the third in command on the Behemoth, but he's an Earther and he's like very very competent and basically gets sent by Fred Johnson to try and like make this shit work. And then Ashford is like a he's a sort of political appointment. Uh, he's just from the right faction, but not actually qualified, and is the captain. Um, and is like a, you know, uh, you know, born in the void belter. And so that's mm-hmm. how he ends up captain. And then there's a, another character named Michio Pa, who is the XO and all three of the thing, like those three characters are like totally broken apart, scrambled and remade into the Naomi bull. So there's not a like perfect analog for any of them, but Bull goes on a crusade against Pixie for like a full chapter. Oh, okay. <laughs> because it's like an endemic problem uh, where he as like a as like a you know security person and and a high up in the command staff, uh, it's not as much of a like focus drug, and it's much more of a like you take Pixie and an eight-hour shift like blinks by. Oh. Uh, and so he wants it off the so ship. So it's not like amphetamine to get you like really right. You know hyper aware yeah no it's much more of of a like uh like you know like there's a like a slack face that is identified with it and like it's a like it's something when you're on a fucking rock hopper and you have an you know a a roughly eight hour shift of like watching somebody else climb all over a piece of ice and like you're just there to like make sure that the air recyclers keep running like you take it and your shift is over Mm -hmm. and like it's been fine but then in the context of a warship he has he's like trying to build a culture uh like a, a a militarized culture out of the like sort of militia culture of the opa and one of the big crusades he goes on is getting pixie off the off, off the ship um which like is the same sort of way that that it happens on the show where like he sees like he starts with a user and goes to a dealer and then finds the guy who has like the main supplier except that guy he like 
fucking spaces right away. Oh. He just hauls him. <laughs> he just hauls him to a door and throws him out, and then reopens the interior and is like, "Everybody's got twelve hours to put their drugs in. Anything after that, you're getting the same treatment he did. This is your one chance at amnesty." <laughs> well, yeah. So I guess it's good the way they did it in the show then to like establish drummers trying to be. It's like her first chance to be the leader, right? You know, right. and so she. Just like any time you've ever been put in charge for the first time of something, like you're probably maybe way too harsh on some things, mm-hmm. or you're you don't know exactly where you're supposed to like establish this the, the draw the lines in the sand, right. or necessarily show your show your strength and then show your mercy. Um, and so she's going through that, like she's she's obviously trying to figure out like where does she fit here is Ashford showing up because like he's just there to replace her because she doesn't have the experience so she's definitely feeling threatened by it all so her response to the pixie thing of basically being like what the guy in the book does wanting to just immediately space the guy um I get it from that sort of like I'm trying to establish my legitimacy here and maybe the way to do that is through like fear (laughs) right right if these guys if these maybe i was too lax in the beginning and all these people are fucking on pixie and now i'm trying to like right the ship by really swinging the pendulum the opposite direction here yeah and uh ashford i think is just he's a great character because he comes on the ship and because of the way that both naomi and drummer react to him you think that he is some sort of uh you know, he's going to come in and have subterfuge and cause a mutiny or something mm-hmm. on board. Um, and you also get the idea that he is some sort of space pirate. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, and a good one. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. he gets on board and he sees like someone that he had obviously done a lot of wrong things to during the old <laughs> space pirate days. And <laughs> yeah. the guy tries to swing on him and he immediately takes him to the ground and chokes him out and says, look, just i'm just apologizing that's what you right. wanted to hear right <laughs> <laughs> we're good right yeah yeah um yeah and like the the like the way he's he's like all you know he's got these huge burn marks which then becomes a part of these show you know these mm-hmm. episodes where he reveals like he received them when escaping from a ship where his son burned to death like his only child burned like they're you know he's got a uh like you're seeing someone on the other side of the crucible that it feels like everyone else is just at the front end of, um, of this, you know, he's, he's been through enough of it to like have a very narrow understanding of like what's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and like, he's, he's much more of a, like, I think what's interesting about the show is that drummer Naomi and Ashford are all super competent, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, you're not worried about any of them doing something that's the wrong move in that moment. It's which of their like, philosophical understandings of humanity <laughs> yeah, yeah, is yeah. like the most uh not right but is the best fit for what they're trying to do and like um there's much more of a like nuanced uh uh characterization of these three people who through different experiences have are now trying to like knit together you know build some kind of functioning warship uh and yeah like you're saying you know drummer is like all right well here's one way yeah. <laughs> um, and Ashford who like you're sort of set up to think is not 
going to, you know, would be in love with the hardline response is the one who talks her down. But then is he, is it really all a power play? There's just so much fucking in it. It's well, so and good. she's, she still suspect suspects him of right. being involved in the hit on her and Fred Johnson that got her shot back in season yeah. two. You yeah, know, yeah, got yeah. her gut shot <laughs> back right. on back on Tycho. So like, there's, <laughs> and he's he has to tell her like, look, that was just some, those are some rogue belters. I I promise <laughs> that those weren't my guys. I did not give yeah. that order. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, poor drummer. <laughs> so she yeah, she's, she's going through a lot. Um, and like you said, how the book is from the belter's perspective. Even though we do like get to be on the Thomas Prince, and we see like the. Martian Marines in these first four episodes of book three, a lot of this is done from the Belter perspective. So when, you know, Diogo goes through, like that's initially like they're all on the, we see in the behemoth that they're all like, oh man, I hope they don't think that we're trying to claim the ring for ourselves. And like, this was like a, how do, you know, how do we make sure that this doesn't end up being some international or, you know, solar system wide incident all of a sudden where they think the belt is you know going rogue in whatever treaties we'd already like signed after the whole esteban fiasco yeah and um and then so shortly after um you know you get clarissa setting off the bomb and uh, blowing up a u.n ship and then sending the the deep fake message of Holden saying that he is now for the belt and that Diogo going through the ring was the belt claiming the ring and that it's all for the belt and we're going to, you know, against the UN and Mars, fuck all you guys. Yeah. And And it is, and it's a, go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh yeah, I was just going to say is that then the way that we digest that is we don't go to the Thomas Prince and see like, Hmm, are they like going to shoot down? Are they all like deciding to shoot down the behemoth now because of this thing that just happened? We go and all we get is the bridge of the behemoth and drummer and Ashford and Naomi discussing the message from Holden. And we have to make a decision in like one minute, right? We have one minute to make a decision and that might determine whether or not the UN blows us up, the Mars blo- yeah. blows us up. We have to show what side we're on right now and how we how do we do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a it's a really like tight scene, like it's very tense, and it's already fucking tense because you just watched this other ship blow up. Yeah, and like you know, like it's tense enough without all that context, but then the added tension of like, you know. I, I'm I don't know if everybody feels this way, but I would imagine that basically everybody loves drummer by this point. Mm-hmm. And so like and through that you want drummer to be successful in this role. And so like you're sort of rooting for her and then to have that rooting pitted so directly against like our main protagonist and yeah. to have Naomi in the fucking room while it happens. <laughs> uh, and then on top of all of that, that the entire behemoth becomes uh that moment when r2d2 puts his little thing in the wrong socket and shocks himself (laughs) (laughs) some Uh, warship we got here (laughs) yeah yeah uh i mean it's just you know it's a great scene uh i think it's i think it's really well represented i think it's like a really clever thing to have naomi there because it streamlines the like emotional um response of you know like you know whether or not anybody like drummer and and um Ashford for them by themselves don't give a shit whether or not 
Holden did this, yeah. right? And so putting Naomi in the room to like make sure that they are thinking about and that drummer knows like, you know, that Holden didn't do this and you know it and there's, st- you know, the calculus is the same. It doesn't matter. If yeah. She, so to, she's like, I have to, pres- we have one belter battleship and it happens yeah. to be the biggest ship in space. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to lose it over this little bitty, th- these four people on this little Martian, Martian thing right where i can't verify whether it was intentional or not yeah trolley problem number 152 right (laughs) (laughs) would would i rather blow up james holden on his ship or uh risk this entire thing yeah yeah so they decide to fire but then uh you know the firing malfunctions and they're not able to get it get the torpedo off meanwhile on the rossi Mm. So we've had the experience where we got to know, ooh, cool, there's like a MTV style reality crew following following our boys around. And we find out that, yeah, they still are splitting all of their stuff four ways with Naomi, even though she's not on the ship. And right. they, you know, the Monica tries to see if that's going to be a thing to stir the pot. And they're like, no, no, Naomi's our girl. You can't like make us pit us against each other over our quarter shares. Yeah. But in the process... Um, blind camera guy who has at this point already had two cameras destroyed by Amos. <laughs> um, we see him and he's gone down into the guts of the Rossi and he's uh, inserting some sort of uh, data card into the Rossi's, you know, main drive system. So, yeah. Something that he was, you know, he we later find out that he was paid and he thought that this was just some sort of like basic tracking information that then they would be able to use with the documentary and you know just another way of keeping tabs of everything that happened on the ship but it turns right. out that it was a uh, part of this plot perhaps all done by Clarissa she had the deep fake of Holden she blows up the ship and she probably paid off to have this guy put this chip in the Rossi yes. which then disables all of Alex's control of the ship. They have no more weapons control of the ship. They have no more comms on the ship. Right. All they can do is kind of navigate with their thrusters. That's pretty much everything it can do. So if the behemoth fires on the Rossi, like they're not outrunning a torpedo. They're not, they have no way of shooting it down. They have nothing that they can do with it. Um, And so Amos immediately flips out and is like, what the fuck did you do to this ship blind guy? Just ready to kill him right there. (laughs) And uh, they get him to not kill him. And uh, he's he's like, you're going to tell me how to unfuck this ship. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) but so Holden, when um, when uh, Maneo went through the ring, Holden started having the visions, and we talked about mm-hmm. how he went back and synced it up with the CCTV information to know that it was right when the ring breach happened. And yeah. that's when he starts to just lock himself in the room, and Amos and Alex are freaking out because they're about to get fired on, mm-hmm. maybe by U- the UN ships and the behemoth <laughs> and the Martian ships. Everyone's going to fire on them. They have no maneuverability, and Holden is going AWOL, being like, guys, right. could you just give me five minutes locked up in my corner? Yeah. <laughs> no, he, he locks himself in a fucking yeah. airlock. Yeah. Amos is like, you can't, this is not the, fine if you want to kill yourself, but not right this fucking not, second. Not now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And we um, get the great the Holden. 
<clears throat> Amos, have I ever asked you to trust me before? <laughs> yeah. No. No. <laughs> so if I do it now, you'll right. trust me, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it is like, so, uh, yeah. So I think the only thing that's like kind of interesting that's added is that, uh, uh, like the, the thing that the blind dude installs is yeah. hundred percent like supplied by, um, by Melba, and then also that it's been feeding the video straight back out to her, which is how she built the deep fake. Okay. Uh, so she's been like harvesting their video to use the software to make the deep fake, like out of, so it looks like him then. Like it does, it's not old footage. Like it, it makes it much, much more difficult. Like I think at some point in the books they figured out, I don't know if they even never get to it in the in the show, it's not that important. Um, but like the deep fake is good enough that it, it fools everybody for quite a while. Um, it's interesting that the expanse is like, and guess what? In in 300 years, we'll have this deep fake technology that'll fool everybody into an international incident. And you're like, well, yeah. uh, uh, yeah. uh, kind of uh, exists uh -oh. now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I, I, the other thing that I think is kind of neat is just, well, I guess in the, sh in the show, I find it a little maybe like the moment, like I, it, the moment when Amos finds Cohen fucking around with the shit in the engineering bay. Yeah. And like doesn't full sweep the ship, I guess is just that like Naomi's not on the boat. Yeah. So who's going to do it? Um, Amos like, does, uh, yeah. Amos is just a mechanic, you know, he doesn't necessarily yeah. know how to do the stuff with all the wires and the little led lights. Right. And to be fair to them in the book Naomi is on the ship and it takes her the rest of the book to unfuck it. Like it doesn't <laughs> having her there is not an instant solution. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so the anyway. only recourse that they have is, you know, Holden finally Miller's like telling him, you got to watch your doors and corners. And, yeah. uh, ah, you know, Slow he, into he, the room. He, he went in the room too fast. When yeah. you're too fast. And so finally, like, Holden's like, oh, we got to slow down right when we go in the ring. And otherwise, we're going to end up like the, the Belter dude. Yeah. And uh, so he's like, Amos, go as fast as you can and slow it all down right before we hit that ring. And Amos is like, oh, or I mean, Alex is like, I don't know if we're going to be able to slow down. We're all going to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, I don't, would you rather be hit by the torpedo? Right. <clears throat> we can definitely die out here or we can find out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then when they dive through, like, uh, the way the show has, because the show has carried, like there's the relationship with Alex and Amos is so much deeper. Um, like the book in this moment is just Holden's anxiety. Uh, oh. like the show's ability to like really like the moment with Amos, like I have in my notes, that moment of trust me and all that, there's just nothing approaching that at this stage in the books. It's not anywhere close to it. Um, and so the show really is like sort of, you know, pacing the uh, um, the ability to make us worry. <laughs> right. <laughs> like the the concern you have for these these people is, is really heightened in this. I don't know. It's it's good. It's extremely I, I good. like how Alex is so unconfident in Holden's state of mind that yeah. even when Holden comes out and is like, okay, this is what we're going to do. He's like, no, fuck you, man. You've, right. you've gone insane. We're not going to yeah. do anything you say. And Amos just has to look at him and be like, no, we're going to do what the cap says. And then Alex yeah. does it because Amos like is the one that bridges the gap there. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's a it's a it's a really it's a fun interaction uh i like it a lot i like how fluid it is i like how um like it's a even with holden being not only the captain it's such a flat structure between them that it ta- they're still essentially voting like amos votes with the captain so they go through the ring yeah <laughs> like <laughs> uh it's good two it's, to it's, one <laughs> yeah exactly exactly we're not gonna wait for prax's vote this time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> call prax back on game you see what he wants us to do <laughs> calms her out <laughs> um and then it is just like i mean it's really well shot like the way everything moves the you know the like little little baby cliffhanger between episodes like it's oh yeah because they hit the ring and they are all basically almost stroked out knocked out from the slowdown right right although they must have slowed down they got below the speed limit before they went through the ring because they're not caught in the purple right yeah. They got just enough, but it didn't it didn't slow they didn't go in slow enough so that when they got into the slowdown area, they felt nothing. Like right. they right, right. uh they they felt the G forces enough to where they're all passed out and bleeding yeah. from their noses and stuff by yeah. the time they come to floating in the ring. Right, right. Um and then yeah, the the also like it took me so long to figure out what the fuck was going on. <laughs> like the, I think the first time I watched this episode, I watched the last 10 minutes like two or three times. Cause it just is like, it's so disorienting. Like yeah. it's um, like, I'm curious if you, if it's a different experience with the, um, with the, like the explanations, the audio um, descriptions, the audio descriptions. Thank you. Uh, or if it, if it's similarly sort of just like, what the fuck? Cause I couldn't tell, like none of it, it doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> it's very, I mean, they, they do a good job of describing it because you mm-hmm. know, they're running from the torpedo and then when yeah. they get in there, like there's no purple stuff around the Rossi, but then they got to explain that the torpedo is like caught yeah. up in the purple stuff, but it's still right. like tracking them. But it's then it, they do a good job of explaining in the audio descriptions, like the, the spatial reality of what's going on with the with the Rossi as it's crossing the plane and the torpedo is chasing it and that yeah. type of stuff. Yeah. So it, it's I, I could I could track it, but then yeah. like it does get weird um like later on when everyone's inside the ring because it's tough sure. to track like Sure. How is Naomi gonna? She's leaving the behemoth on another craft, but she's not gonna catch up with the Rossi. I there's there's a, I have questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, and there's a lot of that. Yeah, that that's the same. I had the same experience watching it. Uh, of you're just like, what the fuck is like, what's going on? what is this thing? Where is this, what is this place? What are the, like, cause there's a moment where they're like, if we go straight to the other side, we can keep away from the Martians, but if we turn, they'll catch us. And like, I understand the geometry of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's elements of it where it's like, can you like do a loop back? Like once they cut the angle can like, I don't know, they're, they're, whatever. And all uh, Alex wants is give me one freaking cannon that I can yeah, use. <laughs> Just give yeah. me one cannon online. <laughs> Not knowing that, the second he fired it, he would just have, you know, some slugs caught in the purple goo. Right, but exactly. So it goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so they do survive. They make it through. Amos goes full Baltimore mode on uh, the on Monica in particular when it becomes clear that the like the the um, 
the cameraman gets to the end of what he knows. And so Amos like, is like, I don't well, know great. how to do anything else. I just put this in. You could take it right. out. I don't know. Right. And so Amos is like, well, all right, well, I'm going to kill this woman then. Uh, unless, yeah, <laughs> yeah, unless I believe you yeah. that this is all, you know, <laughs> um, which is like, I think it's a, you like this stuff, like the Amos beats the hell out of some people in this, in these scenes in the book, but we have so much less of Amos, like watching this show. It's like, so we've watched Amos sort of become a different, um, like grow a lot, right? Yeah. Get in touch with like empathy. He's right. like he's seen himself in children. He's seen himself in prax. He's like yeah, been able to have some reflective moments. Yeah, he's come and to now, terms with his own like sociopathic nature. <laughs> right, and now we're watching him like dip back into survival mode mm-hmm. and do things that you know I, I'm not going to endorse his methods, but he's th- doing things that are necessary in the way that he sees how to do them. Um, and like what what Amos comes out the other side of that? Like how does that? Uh, can he reconcile those parts of himself? Can you know all those sorts of things? Um, and he's already not on great terms with them because before the yeah. whole shit goes down, they've been poking and prodding him a little too much from right. the, from the moment the camera crew's been on board with uh, right. Monica asking him about Baltimore and also oh, yeah. uh, you're part of the uh, the the uh, the lottery system, huh? That's pretty yeah. cool. Not so many I, people when, make it through the lottery system. When we asked folks about your name, uh, so they started talking about some kind of like mob kingpin. Like, yeah. do you know anything about that? Oh, it's just it's a real <laughs> common name, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Amos Burton. Yeah, a lot of those, I'm sure. <laughs> well, he's just eating fucking yeah. giant mouthfuls of lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, but then they he he does actually get to something much much faster, which is to send them as messengers. That takes yeah like a while. Well, and because it's like elegant. Holden rushes down, sure that he's about to space these people. Right, <laughs> because right. Because they won't they won't fix the ship. Put your hat on, button up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but he's got to like send them. Up. He's got to send them together because you can't just send a blind guy into space. You have to send like <laughs> yeah. a guy a guide dog. With I love him. how he's like because there's there. The his fingertips are like uh, echolocation. Yeah, uh, and so he's like, I put, I made him put gloves on. Like I can't. He's like, he's you know, he's like motion with his hands up. He's like, I mean, he's you know, he's blind. He's a blind guy. <laughs> it's good. It's like there's a lot. You better, you better make sure his helmet. I'm about to press this door. Get right. that, is your helmet on? I'm pressing the yeah. button. <laughs> Which is the same way that like my mom would have talked to me about like you know. Uh, when I'm four and like trying to learn how to use a toilet, like if you don't start with the top button, you're not gonna get them lined up. Like, <laughs> 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 we got we gotta go. If you can't figure it out, you're, we're just gonna get to church and your pants are gonna be down. Like we gotta. <laughs> but anyway, well, in that um, at that time, he they get space, but they've also figured out on the ship that there is the speed limit inside right. of the ring. Yeah, they figured the out. Yeah. That the torpedo is headed towards this center point. Mm-hmm. Everything that has been going too fast is being drawn towards this center point. Like Mineo's yeah. ship is already on its way there. The torpedo is being pulled that direction. Everything that was going too fast is going to this one spot. And so it's not necessarily tracking the Rossi. Right. And, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and when they figure out that it, their max speed is is uh, eighteen thousand kilometers an hour, which the fact that that is like 
super is you know a crawl that's the gives school you some, zone <laughs> right yeah yeah but it gives you such a i think it's such an interesting useful expression of the size of this space um because it, the when um the prince goes through or no when the behemoth goes through in the show they give you this big like the ring is a thousand kilometers wide mm-hmm. which they say a lot in the books and i'm always like that doesn't mean anything to me and then you like you get this representation you understand how big the behemoth is from past seasons it's like you see the behemoth it's like 10 death stars right right it's fucking <laughs> enormous um and uh so anyway the show handles that element well of like you know putting the ring in context and then the putting the space in context it's just all it's really neat. Uh, yeah, and then they're just fucking scrambling <laughs> so hard. Uh, they're trying to figure out what to do. You get. I think my favorite scene in this whole season is when Alex goes and knocks on Holden's door, and like Holden comes to the door, and Alex looks terrified, and is like, uh, "Hey, Cap, just uh, is he in there? Yeah, because Holden is just Miller? all you hear is like Holden talking to no one inside right. from the other side of the door yeah. where Alex is standing, and the door swings closed, and you just hear Holden on the other side go, "Mar." <laughs> um, but eventually, they try to change course. I think is what it is. Like they start moving not directly towards the station and Miller pops back in uh, and is like, you know, why aren't you going to the, why aren't you going to the station? Yeah. Uh, And we get like, we get Miller now inside the ring as he explains it, like has good service. Yeah. The reception Uh, is great. He's no longer glitchy. (laughs) Yeah. And so he's able to like have conversations, conversations and they get (laughs) the first thing they talk about is Holden's like, you know, you got to level with me. And you get like a, a couple sentences of text. So one of the point of view characters in the books is the investigator. Yeah. And it's only in uh, these like uh, little interludes, right? Because the book three covers an enormous period of time. And so there are points where they skip ahead and you get an interlude of the investigator. Uh, and you get like, the, yeah, these sorts of like, you get like two sentences that are taken directly from the interludes. Uh, where Miller's trying to like summarize it to Holden. He's <laughs> like, "All right, so we got a crime scene." <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like, "Just tell me exactly what's going on." He's yeah, like, all yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I'll and, explain it well, to you in calculus that hasn't been invented by humans yet. Uh, right. you, did you get any of that? Okay, yeah. well, I'll give I you guess. time to catch up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I also, I don't know, man. Like go off like how much of that do you because we get a couple I, we can jump around a little bit i think and the idea of how miller is projected I, I don't know you know you know you know stuff about brain you know how brain do yeah i think um so yeah it's it's interesting the that obvious and they do show something here of that there's like protomolecule goo left over on the rossi mm-hmm. we kind of skipped over that part too which is, I guess, somehow to let you know that there is this connectedness between uh, the protomolecule and Holden. Like, he's mm-hmm. got this thing. And also, it's this reminder that when um, Miller and Julie went into Venus, the protomolecule absorbed them as part of its identity. And yeah. so there is this part of the protomolecule identity that is Miller. And right. that is Julie. And it has like a perspective of humanity and things like that. So 
there is this question going on. One is it is there some dis, you know disparity going on inside of the protomolecule? Like there's this part that wants to take care of humans and then parts that want to kill all humans, but the Miller part is really trying to resist the kill all humans part of it. You know, that's going through your head because you don't really know what the ring is yet. Yeah. But then, too, like um, the manifestation of Miller inside of Holden's brain, Holden doesn't know if he can trust it. Like, he, one, he doesn't want to think that he's going crazy. Naturally. So if he's not going crazy and this is the protomolecule, like, uh, giving him some sort of hallucination or manifestation, then... He's not going to trust that because the protomolecule bad, you know, like I, yeah. it's going to make me do something that is going to bring about the end of all existence if I believe what Miller's saying. Right. Or am I kind of crazy and I am having this internal dialogue with this guy that helped me find this whole other side of my identity in the yeah. first two seasons and this, this is now like the angel on my shoulder that is helping me make the right decisions to save everybody. So he's yeah. going through a big, like, I don't want to be crazy, but I also don't want to be manipulated by the protomolecule thing. Yeah. <clears throat> and like, um, I, I like the fact that they don't, that they show Miller. And I like the fact that they show him just like in his detective outfit, kind of just floating in space next to yeah. Holden inside of his right, spacesuit. Right. When Holden decides to head down to the station. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that that's the way they do it because I feel like if it was done like a voice in his head, like it would seem too much like a very uh, tropey versions of schizophrenia or something. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it really gives it more of the uh, effect that, okay, there is something that is, you know, sci-fi beyond human understanding that's going on here that we can't just say it's Holden's psyche that's freaking out, which is what the Martians say, you know, ultimately oh, yeah. when they interact with him, like, okay, we hear him talking to voices like this, this guy's, we've seen it happen to everybody. When you're out here in space too long, everybody loses it type of yeah. type of thing. Yeah. The um, guy standing on the guy standing on dirt with the six shooter from the first episode. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that, I think that showing Miller lets the audience in on the clue that it's not just Holden losing his mind that, you know, we've seen happen to other people. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that that's the way that they did it. And, and because like, I, I don't like it necessarily a lot of the times when, uh, TV and movies tries to artistically show what, uh, having a multiple personality disorder or schizophrenia is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't dramatize in a way that, like uh, Silver Linings Playbook in particular drives mm. me up a fucking wall. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a uh, you know I I don't know I don't this is not the format for it but yeah I'm with you. Yeah. And um, so so that I I I do enjoy it and but I enjoy the fact that no one else can see Miller as well yeah. because then they're yeah. all thinking that Holden's insane. <laughs> but yeah. the audience doesn't have to go through the. Oh yeah, look at uh, look at this fucking crackpot. Put him in a put him in a fucking straitjacket. You know the audience yeah. isn't doing that. Right, right. Um, and it is like I think that the the explanations we get for how it functions is pretty neat. 
um, like they get into it in the in the show in a decent amount of detail of just like uh, the uh, like the station <laughs> originally threw out the ring and then using the um, little bit of protomolecule as a receiver and then once they're inside the slow zone like pretty directly is playing Holden's brain like an organ. Mm-hmm. Like it's if you imagine every synapse as a key. Yeah. Like it's it's simulating inside his brain the image of Miller within the context of of Holden's all of other Holden's other sensory perception. Yeah. So it's it's a computer that is developed enough and and has enough uh, computational ability that it can simulate all of Miller and within its own self simulate Holden's brain so it would know what it needs to do in actual Holden's brain to create the simulation of Miller inside Holden's head. Right, right. So that only Miller can see it. Uh, and it's just, I don't know, like, fucking A, man. Like, okay, we get it. Like, these these people that built all, or not people, these things that built all this stuff had some, like, you know, really fucking powerful technology. But that by, like, that's, I don't know. I don't know if it's more impressive than interdimensional space, but, like, it's... <laughs> It's well, fucking impressive. You'd, you'd have to think that if the advanced society got to an actual super AI, meaning mm-hmm. that like it's actual, an actual like down to the smallest synapse level recreation of a like the human brain, and right. you completely have modeled it. Yeah. That then you already know that how to do all the tricks that the brain does naturally, you know, just like everything in your head in reality is at some yeah. level an illusion, at some level right. a hallucination that your brain is putting on for you. Like even yeah. the things that you see with your eyes is the the pictures that come in your head are not you know, actual physical representations of the things that your eyes are seeing. Cause right. otherwise you'd just be seeing like photons bouncing off of other services. You wouldn't understand like yeah. how, how any of that works or represents like, Oh, I'm looking at a, a table, you know, like right. none of that right. would make sense to you. Yeah. So there is like a whole lot of that. That's always happening. And a lot of people have like disorders where that stuff gets crossed up. And, you know, you see things that aren't there or your brain manifests things that aren't there, whether that's like you hear things that aren't really there. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the grand scheme of things, the kind of way to think about all of it is that uh, a lot of reality that you think is really there is never actually really there. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And then it's and then it's like a layer on top of that is like this huge question of like, what is consciousness? What is life like is like Miller doesn't exist, right? Right. Like there's no form, there's no physical form of Miller. Miller's body is gone. Uh, the thing that we would identify as life is over, but a perfect representation of Miller, <laughs> of Miller's like synaptic pathways and everything that made Miller Miller as a, as a being inside a brain, however mm-hmm. you want to describe that, is perfectly preserved and is being quote unquote born like run towards a problem and investigating that problem until it oversteps a boundary and then is destroyed and then recreated yeah (laughs) over and over and over again like is that life is that like is 
like I think the show in a really interesting detail credits the actor who played Miller as playing the investigator. Yeah. From this point they, forward. He's not called Miller on the credits right. at all. Thomas Jane is now the investigator. Right. Which is like I think a super fun like little detail to for them to have put in and obviously it makes sense. Um, but then it's also sort of like, okay, so it's not Miller, but what does it mean that it's not Miller? Uh, and that's, yeah, that's where we're getting to is the, that the investigator function of the protomolecule has evolved to a state by absorbing Miller and Julie and everything that it's figured out, the, the Arbogast, you know, all the things that it's, you know, come to learn by being in our right. solar system. Yeah. It's evolved to the point where it now knows that it needs an actual organic thing mm-hmm. to fully realize what this, you know, ultimate purpose of this ring is. Right. Miller can no longer or the investigator that is the thing that is organizing all of the information that the protomolecule has absorbed so far in order to you know, eventually reach this goal of what this ring is going to be has hit the limit. Like they've got to the, they've reached the maximum point that it can do with all the stuff that it's got. And so it needs Holden. It needs this organic real life form to enter into it and interact with it, not absorb it, not deconstruct it. It needs it as a conduit. And, um, I think that is really the, what it's finding. And because it absorbed Miller and it knows Miller and thus it knows Miller's impression of Holden. Right. It then can then <laughs> invade Holden's mind with Holden's understanding of who Miller was and get him to be the conduit. Yeah. And the, the thing that like is interesting to me, so the book goes into a little bit that there are lots of other, Julie's not one of them, but there are other people that have been absorbed or whatever they've been copied however you want to say it mm-hmm. um and they're some of them are basically in hell like there are some that understand enough of what's going on that every time that they're activated or created or whatever they just start full panicking and then whatever and so miller's personality has been sort of selected to play to fill this role of the investigator within the context of the programming of this you know I don't know if software is even the right word. Yeah, because if like, they send Katoa to, to right. Holden's brain, yeah. he's gonna, that's not yeah. going to work. Well, and it's also like it's everybody that was on Eros. Mm-hmm. Like, not everybody. It doesn't, didn't keep them all. But, you know, it's up to everybody that was on Eros. Plus Katoa and anybody, anyone else that was, you know, uh, that, what's his fuck? Hybridized. Anyway, by that were now. hybridized, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, uh what neither ever gets into is whether or not there are any other life forms in there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, which I think is a really interesting question to leave unanswered. And I, and like the, it's not clear if 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 the program because Miller is very clear with Holden at certain points that the station is not sentient. Yeah. Right. Or maybe it is. I don't remember the definition of sentience. Well enough to say that, but it does not have self-determination that is a program running as a program Mm -hmm. and that like Holden's personality within it is getting to do some shit sort of because he's human. Right. Uh, and that it copied in human stuff when it was never designed to hold it. But like, like it's, it's an interesting question whether or not there are any of the originals, the, the older species in there. And if there are, could they ever be interacted with? And like, it's not, 
like even as far as I'm in the books, they haven't covered it. Like it's not. I don't fucking know. It's just crazy. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Yeah. Also, do we want to? I have, I have a like, thought on how this all ends, and it's they have. There's no foreshadowing for it. I don't think it's in. I'm not spoiling anything. It's just a thought. Go but for I don't it. know if we wanted to put it on. If we wanted to record it or not. Put it on wax, so then we can all tell you you got it wrong. Okay, uh, so I feel like there are two things that are crescendoing, <laughs> uh, like over and over and over, like throughout this series, uh, and one of them is Holden having to make hard choices, and the other is like really big tr- trolley problems, and I feel like this all ends with uh, Holden having to choose between uh, destroying the uh, ring gates and the slow zone. Uh, or the end of humanity. Mm. And as we as we get further into the television show, we can discuss that in more detail. It's a um, much bigger version of uh, do we blow up the Rossi or let the behemoth get blown up? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but essentially, like, if you put all of human existence in the balance uh, versus the ability of like whatever the details of it. I, I know you can understand the implications of where I'm going faster yeah. than somebody who's at this point and watching the show, which God bless you. If you started with us and you haven't, <laughs> haven't, haven't run forward. ahead by now, but just in case, uh, but yeah, I think it, I think it, I think that eventually it'll be holding at the make, having to choose between the slow zone and human life. Yeah. So, Anyway, <laughs> uh, to quickly jump back to the Thomas Prince, <laughs> nothing, no commentary. No, I think it's I'm great. Just... I, I don't want to, I, I have, I have some good theories, oh, but sure. I feel that I will spoil some things in the future seasons. If I tell you what I thought about what you just said, <laughs> fine. So I, well, I should have saved it. it. I should have saved it then. I'm sorry. <clears throat> um, the back on the Thomas Prince, when all this stuff is going down, like, uh, we don't get the same level of holy shit uh you know another you, everything's about to go to hell from the thomas prince necessarily except for they uh start evacuating all of these representatives <laughs> that they've brought to the ring to like be right. goodwill ambassadors they're like yeah goodwill's over guys uh anyone yeah. who's here that is not a military personnel yeah. needs to if get off this ship <laughs> if you don't have a job you can summarize in a uh, technician's title <laughs> or a rank get the fuck off the boat yeah <laughs> and so tilly the uh the the rich girl who's debutante lady who's been along for the ride on the Thomas Prince to have this experience. Um, She uh, was way less likable on the show. Yeah. She's super obnoxious. Anyway, she tells Anna, you know, Hey, I, uh, I secured myself a passage because I kind of have some dirt on uh, one of the admirals here on this thing. And so he's going to do whatever I say. Would you like me to get you a pass to stay on too? So you don't have to leave. (laughs) And she's like, Oh Yes. I mean, you asking me this is obviously providence from God because he sent you here to make sure I could stay on this ship because I am supposed to be here. This is he. This is right. God's plan for me <laughs> right. to be here. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> that's why. That's why. That's why he let those people in Brazil die yeah. so I could be here. Yeah, exactly. It all makes it make sense. <laughs> <laughs> so she goes to the other. The other. Uh, religious priest guy that we've been introduced to that's on the Thomas Prince they had like an earlier religious conversation about how 
man, we all feel like God's presence is here with us at the ring. Like this is obviously like a big, uh, big moment for Christianity. Yeah. And uh, so she confronts him as he's getting in the uh, getting in the escape ship to evacuate. And she's like, hey, guess what? You know, I got a friend. Uh, we can stay on the ship if you want. You know, God's plan and all. And he's like, honey, um, <laughs> well, I don't think God's here anymore. Uh, right. I kind of <laughs> I got a yeah. wife and kids back home and I'm pretty sure God left the building. He was on like the first ship out when uh, yeah. when when <laughs> Maneo went through the ring. So I kinda, <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Um, which is a, yeah, which is a good scene. And then there's that poor guy in the background who's like, you know, I joined up to, to kill dusters. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not, which is also, such yeah, a, he's like, like, he's like dressed in like civilian clothes, trying to like sneak off the ship and they're like, Hey, 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 buddy. What is this? Yeah. What is yeah. this? A wall shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, which again, there's like none of in the books and the books, like the whole fleet goes through. Um, and that Hector guy's in it. And has a different role to play ultimately. Um, where in the books, he just, I'm sure by the end, he would have wished to have not been on the damn boat by the time that it got across the ring. Um, but yeah, and Anna, like Anna's turn as this, like, real fucking, like, it's really hard to square with the Anna from earlier this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, her motivations are like, you know, she, I mean, I think your read is probably right that she's real fucked up about what happened with Brazil. Um, but it's like a different person. Like yeah. It's really, yeah. You know, anyway. <clears throat> so you get um, the, you get the interesting exchange there, but then as they're getting prepared to go through the ring, you get like, uh, Tilly notices Melba. Mm-hmm. is like, Oh, I know that chick from our old partying yeah. days back on earth and all our rich friend circles. I used yeah. to go to her parties all the time. She threw the best parties. Clarissa, she was <laughs> awesome at throwing parties. Ask her dad. Her dad would say, you're great at throwing parties. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Clarissa. <laughs> and that's when we get the flashback to uh, there's a big party that mm-hmm. Jules Pierre Maus throwing about, you know, the racing team that his daughter, Julie, is uh, the, the head uh, pilot for. Right. She's like, you know what, Dad? I'm kind of over this. I kind of want to go do belt stuff. I'm not really into being your like perfect princess daughter anymore. And he's like, oh, so you just want to go be a big whore and fuck a bunch of belters, huh? <laughs> yeah. He's really, really, I don't know. He's big. I don't, I'm not, we're not supposed to like him. He's already turned children into living monsters. Yeah. But, uh, boy. What a fucking asshole. <laughs> so so he alienates Julie in this argument. And then Clarissa like tries to like be like, Dad, you know, I'm still the good daughter here. Like, whatever you want me to do. If you want yeah. I, I'm ready to take over the job as the pilot of the racing ship if you'd like me to do. And he's yeah. like <laughs> Oh, you stupid, stupid girl. All you know how to do is plan parties, not fly ships. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, and then we get a, a continued uh, exchange later where Clarissa goes out to talk to Julie and gets further ostracized by Julie, who, you know, has nothing for to say for her. It's just basically, our dad's a dick. How can you let him treat you like this? By the way, bye forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. But, but Clarissa goes out there basically to say, 
Julie, you're ruining the party. <laughs> could, yeah. Could you please yeah. just maybe maybe save some face, come back in, we can settle this later. I mean, I planned a great party. I don't want you to ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, so, so yeah. And so then at that moment, so through all that, Tilly has now sort of started to figure out who is on the ship with her. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting. Uh, the book goes about a slightly different way where, so that um, the the photographer had met Clarissa once. Okay. Uh, to receive the card that he inserted on the Rossi. And one of the things he can do with, with his... Uh, with his, you know, implants or whatever, um, he creates a 3D model of his memory of her head, <laughs> like a 3D image of her face, but it's in black and white. Um, and so it's just like the, like his memory of what she looked like through the echolocation of his fingertips. Mm. And it confuses the living fuck out of everybody because he's like, this is who did it. I know what happened. And it looks to everybody like Julie Mao because she's one of the most famous people in the world oh. or in the, one of the most ha- famous humans ever. And they're all like, it's Julie Mao. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, how could it be? Julie? It just throws everybody. Holden thinks it's the proto molecule. Like Holden thinks that the proto molecule manifested through this guy's like a version of Julie Mao that's be- and it makes him not trust Miller. for It's a whole fucking extra thing. Wow. Uh, and then finally, Tilly's like, that's not Julie Mao. Like Julie Mao doesn't look anything like that. Like I knew them since they were four years old. That's Clarissa Mao, and then blah blah blah. Um, and there's a manhunt. There's a whole manhunt thing. <laughs> books, books got a lot of extra shit. <laughs> so um, yeah. So Tilly recognizes Clarissa, and she's yeah. like, "Ah, oh, that's." She goes up and like says, "Like, hey, Clarissa, how have you been doing since you know your dad tried to destroy everything and all your <laughs> stuff got taken from you by the government?" And she's yeah. like, "Clarissa, I, I don't know that name. I've never heard that name before. <laughs> My name's Melba." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So at this and point, then- we jump to where we're back on the control deck of the of the Thomas Prince and we're about to go through the ring and you've got the young uh young Methodist kid who comes up to Anna and he's like oh yeah so uh you think God's gonna be on the other side I'm really nervous just because if God's not on the other side I don't know what I'm gonna do I'm Methodist I don't know if I told you that <laughs> yeah and she's basically like yeah uh we're all a little stressed why don't you sort yourself out yeah, she's she's kind of like okay i'm not going to stand on this part of the bridge anymore i'm going <laughs> right, to move over to this right. side of the bridge where people ooh, aren't so ooh, weird yeah, yeah. <laughs> so oh. they, they slowly pass through the ring and uh i guess that was just too much for young methodist kid to handle so he goes to his quarters and he uh swallows a gun yeah. Which is a, another cool moment of like science physics that they have in the show because like if you commit suicide and you're in zero G and you're wearing gravity boots, then your body yeah. just like just, yeah. <laughs> floats there amongst right. the blood that's like gushing out of the back of your head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stuck to the floor. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they 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 portray that thoroughly. That's true. <laughs> like they got they got that all right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and Anna ends, ends up being sort of sort of roped in to deliver a eulogy for the guy whose death she somewhat precipitated. Yeah. So then, uh, just like Brazil, she mm-hmm. now feels like she 
was going through she thought she had a calling to go through the the ring but maybe she's like oh my real calling was i was supposed to like minister to this guy this troubled soul at this moment and i was yeah. so jazzed about science that i <laughs> that i forgot that i'm supposed to be the religious person here <laughs> right right um which is also something that anna gets to really quickly in the book of just like it sort of doesn't matter if god exists or not with this new information i have a skill set which is comforting to people and i will use it Mm -hmm. like that's awesome that's such a clear like and as someone like whatever like it, it obviously connects with things i feel about uh how do you reconcile like the potential for human connection that exists in uh, spirituality with probably thinking that after your death is just like before you're born. Right. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, obviously I like that perspective cause it's, it's similar to mine, but, um, anyway, uh, she gets to do the funeral. She does the eulogy. She does. She uh, does okay. Tilly shows up and is like, that was great. Um, so I saw someone that I thought I knew before and, um, it made me really uncomfortable. So now that you're back in the mode of being like a a counselor type person, what do you think I should do? Like, do you think I should bring up the fact that I saw Clarissa Mao or, I mean, I'm kind of thinking I should just let it go. Her family's been through a whole lot. She's probably hiding. She doesn't want to be noticed. I'll probably just leave her alone. Yeah. No, and, no. Anna, Anna yeah. says, no, you do not leave that woman alone. You go. I only make good decisions. And my name's Anna. <laughs> Trust me on this one. Yeah. You need to go talk if, to her. If confront I know anything. her about it. <laughs> right. Uh, so and then sort of I guess the one parallel to this is that Holden is is, you know, gone walkabout. Yeah. So Holden Holden is descending towards the center station uh he's he one fun thing that's different in the show is that he just does this without telling anybody uh holden is way less adept in the books uh in the books he has to go talk to alex about it and explain what he wants to do and like get alex the name is basically on board and then alex has to program his suit because otherwise like holden would just slam into the station and bounce off (laughs) 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 and so like he's like there's there is that super long conversation with miller but in the background is just the stu- the suit doing all the things that Alex programmed it to do okay. because he's just on a fucking ride. Like he can't, there's no way he would manage that on his own. Right. Um, but anyway, uh, so while, while they're descending, we get reintroduced that uh, Bobby's here, yeah. which is fun. Bobby's not in the third book at all. I really like the addition of Bobby here. Um, Bobby has an interaction with like, and she's she's back with the Martians. She's like, right? They they forgave she's her for everything, and they were like, okay, we get it now. We had some bad people. You're gonna be back in with the Marines. You're, yeah. we, we agree with you, Bobby. <laughs> uh, Sorry yeah, about all back, that mix up back on Earth. <laughs> right? She's back and killing your fire team. Sorry well, and, about Ganymede. Like, <laughs> so yeah, saving all of Mars. What the fuck does Bobby have to do to catch a commission? Right. I know. Like, that's what you I you saved the entire planet and you stay a like. I mean, maybe she. I don't know. Maybe she this, just wants to be on wants. a drop ship. That's all she yeah, wants. She just she just wants uh, she just wants her fucking power armor back, which is fair. It's <laughs> badass power armor. Um, but on the drop ship down, so the the Martians send uh, uh, the drop ship out, ship out after. Holden, uh, Bobby gets him on the horn and he has like a, he goes, we learned that he can continue to be in a, like conversing with Miller as long as someone's only talking to him. Yeah. Cause he like has a full, I'm a crazy person interaction with, uh, with Sh- Bobby. Shut up. Yeah. Shut up. I'm trying to talk. 
Okay. <laughs> um, who are you talking descend. to? Who are you talking to, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> they drop. He drops down into the station. There's some fun stuff with uh, little visual fuck ups where he's going five. Like he he's descending like literally into the station, falling sort of down into it. And uh, Miller's like, "Oh, you're gonna have to slow down." And we get a shot of his HUD going five uh, kilometers an hour. He like does some shit to quote unquote slow himself down. Yeah, and they just what, recycled the same the, HUD shots. Now the, he's going uh, five kilometers an hour still. <laughs> the uh, the audio description says he releases a parachute. He does release. That's earlier. Yeah, and before I, he gets w- to the. How would that even do anything? Uh, it's got like there's no parachute. air. Yeah, 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 no. It's got like uh, it's like a big broad. Um, has like gas canisters on all four. Oh, okay, so it's like a retro the, rocket type of thing that. My guess is I didn't actually look this up because I had an assumption and then I forgot to check. My guess is that the purpose of it is to like give something with a lot of tensile strength to distribute the force, so that like the G's are not all hitting his body directly. Okay. So I think it's a it's something that's used in a vacuum to decelerate, uh, at where your your rate of deceleration is more than the neg- or the the G force that your body ends up experiencing. That's a guess. Uh, and then I think it's not in the book. In the okay. book, he just fucking zooms over there with Alex's programming, and it's all fine. Like they, he, uh, it's Alex programmed it, so he, it's a min-max course, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a point where he's like mid-sentence with Miller, and he gets like flipped around, and the reverse burn starts. He's like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, I think in the TV show they wanted to add like a little like visual effect, and I think they made it look like a parachute because that looks like a parachute. And the way it operates, I think it's to like create a distributed, uh, you know, force vectoring, whatever fucking physics shit. Well, and then he hovers above the station because he doesn't know. Yeah. He's like, I don't know. Right. Now, now I've gone this far. Right. But now you're asking oh. me to take oh. one more step. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. That, yeah, that's, I didn't, that scene doesn't, but that's Doesn't. it's a very Holden thing throughout yeah. like, the whole series. He's always, yeah. I'm gonna do all of it, but then we're gonna get right to the precipice, and that's when I'm right. gonna be like, wait a second, wait, right. wait, wait, well, let's second, all guys. slow down. <laughs> now, when I was growing up in Montana, <laughs> there was a lonely bison. <laughs> Nickname I called it Pecker. I don't know why. And me and Pecker had some good... Shut the fuck up, hole and go in the thing! <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. So he, he has to, like, be convinced again to do the thing that he's... He can't go back from. Yeah, you're like, already what here. You, you're the... at the core of the fucking ring. Right, right. <laughs> and he does it again uh, when we get down into the depths yeah. of the core. <laughs> Although that one is at least new information. yeah. Right, like being ten feet from it and ten thousand kilometers from it, it's a metal ball in space or not in space. We don't know where it is. Uh, like the fact that you're at the threshold, like it doesn't is not meaningful information. Once he's in it, like yeah, he's the context has changed. I appreciate his reserve to an extent. The exterior stop is like I don't know. It reminds me of like uh, in the office when. Um, Dwight has to listen to like shitty metal to pump himself up for a sales call. It's like, Jesus Christ, dude, just go do your fucking job. <laughs> so, but. yeah, the uh, at this time, the the Martians are on Holden's tail. 
Yeah. And because he's decelerated towards the thing, now they're catching up with him. And he knows right. that they're going to get there eventually. And Miller's like, hey, you got some, you got these people following you. You better hurry up before they get here. We got to do this before they get here. Yeah. So he goes inside and it all like opens up for him, you know, kind of a flight of the navigator style. Yeah. And uh, he, he gets into the interior and there's this pillar that has like an opening in it where mm-hmm. it's a perfect spot for a person to put their hand. And that's when Miller's like, look, I needed a, an actual, I needed an actual right. real person to come here to complete right. this circuit. That's the whole, that's why I needed you here. I couldn't do it. I've did everything I could do. Now it's up yeah. to you to, to finish this off. And right at that time is when uh, the Martian Marines barrel down into the chamber to, to show off. <laughs> and as the Marines were getting ready to drop in, you saw like the lead guy like strap like four extra grenades to his chest because he's like, <laughs> you never know when you're going to yeah. need four more grenades. Chekhov's grenade. <laughs> so, so, of course, when they get down there, <laughs> what, what yeah. are we going to do? What are we going to yeah. use to, 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 well, to try first to they defuse try the him. situation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's, let's, first they try and shoot him. And he. I really like how he ducks from it. Yeah. Which, like, he's like, ah! <laughs> they all look at it, and then all the bullets are caught in the purple. It's like, what the fuck do you think was going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> Yep, and so then, uh, then he's like, "Just, just let me do this. You guys don't understand. You need to get out of here, or you're all gonna die." Yeah, yeah. you guys. The dude's like, "I'll show you who's gonna die." Grenade, lob. <laughs> <laughs> and so then that's when the ring actually is like reacts like uh, the beehive just got kicked. Right, <clears throat> and so the the yeah, so that when they shoot the guns, then a like constructed thing comes out of the wall mm-hmm. and so the martian gets freaked out by that and throws a grenade at it miller has a line uh so in the so then the station reacting to this grenade blast lifts the mar- martian who threw it up into the air disassembles him the way that it disassembled uh, the science station, the Arbogast, yeah, the Arbogast, and then uses him like putty to fill the floor in. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the book, it's a little different. <laughs> in the book, there's a like a few more of those machines come out and just tear him limb from limb. Oh wow! And like sprinkle him on the f- hole in the floor, and then it like like a moss grows that's has a similar sort of structure to the. Oh, I can't believe I forgot to describe this. Uh, Proto molecules blue in the show. It's brown. Uh, it's like a root. It looks like a, oh. a brown root in the book. Uh, and so whatever, those like brown roots grow and then it fills the floor back in and then those the metal things like go back into the wall or whatever. Uh, but in the book, Miller has a really interesting line that they chose not to put in the show, which is the second it happened, Miller goes, oh shit. He just taught the station that anything that's thrown as hard as a slow pitch softball is a threat. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. Which was, that's why the whole speed limit changes all of a yeah. sudden. Right. <clears throat> and this happens to also coincide with the moment that uh, Tilly decided to take Anna's advice and go and confront <laughs> Melba <laughs> about being Clarissa. <laughs> yeah. Because she's like, oh, look, I talked, to, I talked to my priest, uh, my Methodist minister. That she, she told me to come over here and that I really yeah. needed to confront you. She's on a hot streak, so I know we're doing great. <laughs> I know this is the right thing. 
<laughs> and then it's so, but that's the exact time when the grenade gets launched and the speed limit changes for everybody inside the ring. And yeah. everyone who's not strapped in gets tossed about as if they, you know, just just hit a wall. And so, right, uh, right <laughs> we've seen Melba already like click her jaw when she goes to kill Rin. You know, mm-hmm. so she's obviously got these uh, body enhancements that she's had installed so she can have like super strength and, you know, for very short bursts and yeah. kill people with her bare hands. And when Tilly goes to uh, confront her, we see her do the whole, well, guess I'm going to have to fucking kill Tilly. <laughs> she does the little <laughs> jaw lock or whatever where she bites the bites down on her back molar and, you know, gets ready to do her superhuman uh superhuman body movement but that's right at the moment when the speed limit changes and we see right. Tilly get slammed up against the ceiling of the ship yeah <laughs> and it just kind of blinks out yeah. right that's the end of this episode for that for them and then i guess the one detail that's just kind of fun is in the book they detail that it's a circular motion with her tongue on this little line that she can feel on the roof of her mouth twice and that activates that activates all of her like extra adrenal glands <laughs> Interesting. I, um, I think it's really yeah. cool, and the fact that it's like only a thirty-second burst. Like yeah. after that, yeah, she yeah, basically yeah. passes out. Like she's she, done. and she does it a few more times in the book, and it's like the recovery from it is super extreme. Like it's hours of vomiting and like non, like not her choice to like passing out levels of fatigue and like yeah, it's a it's a it's it's good shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. And we've only been kind of introduced to some of those body modifications. Like, obviously, the camera guy has, like, some tech that are body Mm -hmm. modifications. And going all the way back to season one, like, episode one, the the spy had his body modifications. But also the dude that is the one that connected them to Julie Mao, who was, like, the dock worker guy... They had they found that he was like a had a bunch oh, of false yeah. identities and it was because yeah, he had yeah. all those body mods too. So this yeah. is the first time we're really kind of seeing some of the, the more from, advanced the stuff in action. Yeah, the t- her Tinder boyfriend, <laughs> the guy <from> Space yeah. <laughs> Tinder, <laughs> um, who gets got in that uh, fucking uprising. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of get just the the blackout of them getting thrown against the ceiling. Um, and then we flash back to Holden, who is still in the room with the Martians, and Miller's like really pressing on him, like this is your chance. Like they're all now, now emotionally never. dealing with watching their commanding officer be turned into fucking floor putty, uh, like, and you know now or never. And Holden, in classic Holden fashion, finally does act, and then once he acts, acts recklessly. <laughs> <laughs> and just throws his whole hand in uh, to to make the connection, uh, and so uh, yeah. So then I'm, I want to hear your description of what happens next, because the book, like the book, the narrative format of it is like way more descriptive. I thought that's where the episode ended, so you need to remind me. <laughs> so it, it runs through him what he sees. So he's falling naked oh, and we learn, yeah, yeah, we yeah, learn yeah, that he doesn't yeah, miss yeah, any yeah, leg yeah. days. Cause like he's got some fucking, he sees the end. <laughs> he sees the end of worlds, like yeah. multiple worlds, so it, other worlds that are not earth. He sees them all end. Right. And it runs backwards. Mm-hmm. So it starts like he sees the Arbogast be put back together. He sees, uh, he sees gates closing. He sees big pulses that come out of, the central station and go through a ring mm-hmm. and turn suns blue. Yep. 
uh, basically vaporized the star system. Mm-hmm. The ring. Right. It looks like the ring might be a weapon that is used to then vaporize other star systems by taking out yeah. their star. Yeah. Uh, and then. I don't know. And he's naked, uh, think, and he has that great, like, underwater scream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. There. So there you go. Yeah. That's that's it. I think, I, I think uh, I'll, I'll say this. The book goes into a lot more detail. He, he basically lives in a moment the timeline, the history of the timeline of that uh, center st- central station from its construction to now. But without being able to understand anything other than what is his like the only part of his sensory uh, interface that he's able to interpret is visual, right? So there's mm-hmm. no sound. That there may be you know language, but he doesn't under none of that can connect with his ant brain versus its you know ant to human ratio. Did they show how like a flash of how the proto molecule arrived on Io originally? Not IO. They show parts of the ring being constructed. I don't think they show Phoebe. Oh yeah, Phoebe. No, I don't think I don't if, if memory serves, I don't think Phoebe's in it. Um, yeah, no, it's the ring construction and then that's the other thing is in his vision of it, it starts at the beginning and runs forward and in the show it runs backwards, which mm. is funky. Um, but I guess the show, like, you know, in the book like you get him figuring it out as it goes yeah and so they're in the show they're setting they you need up to, for they need more to anchor reveals you. later yeah right that and that like if they just start at the beginning you'd be like what the fuck is happening until the very end and then you have to go watch it again. <laughs> 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 oh there's the arbogast now i understand <laughs> um but yeah man yep it's it's good shit i guess the only thing we didn't touch was uh you know, after they fire, after uh, the behemoth fires the torpedo at the Rossi when it goes inside, and then the behemoth eventually goes through the ring to follow it all in when all the other ships go through the ring. Mm-hmm. That's when Naomi bails, and Drummer's like, uh, You're bailing on me? And she's like, Yeah, yeah I kind of realized I thought I wanted to help the belt, but I really want to help my friends. Right. And right. Drummer's like, Okay. And, you know, Ashford's giving drummer shit later, like, uh, we could really use our chief technical officer, kind of shit's all fucked up all over the ship. Be nice to have her around. I don't know. (laughs) I can't even, the fucking toaster doesn't even work. And you let the best mechanic in the history, like in the fucking solar system go. Like, what are you doing? We're not mechanics. But yeah, chief engineer. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, which is fair. And Naomi is like in a little drop ship headed towards the Rossi but like everything's going the same speed so she's really not gaining on them she tries to like plot a course where she can intercept them and there's no like way that she can intercept them and uh, so she just keeps trying to radio the Rossi but their comms are down so she's not able to get through and that's like the last we see of her before the speed limit changes so she's not you know she just says I'm coming guys don't worry I'll be there yeah. as soon as I can. Apparently, as does Melba, because just before the confrontation with, uh, or as is Melba, because just before the confrontation with um, Tilly, we learn that she's trying to also plot a course. Yeah, yeah, she's uh, she she's loading up all of her stuff from her uh, her uh, locker and everything that she's yeah. going to need to bail on the ship. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, man. We did it. Is that 
Did we do it? We did it. <laughs> did, we, did we record an episode? We recorded an episode. We, Look got, at us. we got through four four episodes. Who would have thought? O- only four episodes left till the end of season three when the show gets three. canceled. Three. There's only 13. Oh, there's only 13, yeah. Yeah. Only three more episodes we were, until the show gets Because we were canceled. like, oh, like we've got such good momentum. We'll do four episodes, and then we'll record an episode real quick, and then we'll, get, we'll be out of season three in like a week or two, and... Because we were like, this one's going to be really Super easy because there's a, like a lot of reset. You know, yeah. we didn't even talk about how the boring reset was when uh, Anna's talking to the captain of the fucking uh, Thomas Prince. And he's like, oh, so let sucks. me explain to you what the yeah. protomolecule is. Oh, and then it went sucks. to Venus. And guess yeah. what happened then? And you're like, we all watched the first we two and a half seasons the of the show. Yeah. With, I, yeah. You guys think that six, month is, six months has gone by, but guess what? We watched it last week, yeah, and yeah, this is now se- episode yeah. seven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and then there's also, yeah, all the round tables on the Thomas Prince suck. Yeah. Because then once they get to the ring, and you've got your, like, I'm a xenophobe. I'd like to say some things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in this show to be hateful, to remind you that hate exists <laughs> yeah uh but anyway i mean it's good like i'm not it, it sucks only in that they're it's compressed and they're doing they're doing what they can in this i don't i don't mean to say i dislike it it's just not worth discussing in great it, it, i do wonder if there's decisions that are being made now like when they were writing this like did they know that like the season three was the end and they hadn't been renewed yet on sci-fi and they knew they were like oh man we're gonna have to like compress some of these storylines that we want to do because we don't know like what our future is beyond the end of season three at this point i wonder if there's like some decisions that were made before they got picked up by amazon you know how it all works out because this is the last of the sci-fi this is right. the last of the sci-fi experience. So I, I, I've watched interviews with them where they discuss this transition. There's a, there's a couple. There's like a two-hour-long interview with like a weird Swiss man, who, like, w- which was made right before, like, the interview was published right before season four came out. And so part of it is just the, like, all of this. Mm. Um, and what, what I remember from them discussing in that, um, and of course, you know. I'm sure that to an extent there's some politics in it, like they don't want to burn bridges, but they talked about how they were all pretty surprised by sci-fi's decision after season three. Okay. Um, and then that once it, the decision had occurred, they figured that was it. And then they were also further surprised by the ability of the fans to like create a big enough stir that Amazon picked it up and everything else. And like, well, I don't know. We got lots of time for that later. Um, I think that season three, I think they made some really big decisions about what characters they were going to feature and how they were going to move them around that have to do with um, trying to... Like, you can have as many characters in a book as you have time to describe, Mm -hmm. right? You have to cast people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) For television. And I think that they... uh, And you have to get actors on contracts and you have to get audiences familiar with a character and with with the, the... person portraying them and what it means and all that kind of stuff and i think that they probably made a very conscious decision to compress a lot of people down into drummer specifically Mm -hmm. and then use drummer as a through line that lots of characters are in uh in the books across you know going forward for a while um and then to further make some choices that really change like for example they're 
well, I guess that's a topic for next episode. There's a ton of shit on the behemoth um, that just isn't in this book uh, at all. Uh, like, the whole crew of the Rossi ends up fighting a boarding action onto the behemoth <laughs> that takes, like, like several chapters of, like, really brutal, like, room-to-room fighting. Wow. Uh, of them, like, retaking the behemoth in the slow zone after the second... Uh, change of speed limit that's like not in there at all Um, there's a character that's in book two that makes it a long way into book three and then is murdered and then that's a precipitating fact for like a character that's in the books in book four but that like everything they do is given to drummers and there's no reason to have this whole other character who gets murdered that like you know like I think once you start to compress it down you're like all right like we've like we kind of need to get aligned right Mm -hmm. like I think probably that when they're storyboarding season four like for reasons that are Jermaine talking about once we're in season four, it doesn't chop up. Season four is like one thing. Uh, and so I think they were like, all right, we got to get down to a season per book because we know what are in the books going forward. We need to like take three or four characters and bring them into one actor. And that ends up being drummer. Uh, and then like, all right, so how do we make that work in the seven episodes we have budgeted? Yeah. 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 Um, like I think, and, and honestly, like, I think, like I think these are, having watched these multiple times without the book, they're really com- like fuck. There's a lot of momentum. Mm-hmm. Like you get like thirty, forty five minutes of reset, and then like this shit fucking goes Moves fast. and it just yeah. goes and it's like super compelling, super interesting. There's a lot of shit that pays off really well in the TV show that they haven't even had time to like build into the books yet. Yeah, <laughs> um, like it leverages all the time they've spent educating us about like giving the audience Mars and Earth pays off super well in the back half of season three that basically isn't in book three like I don't know like it's neat it's good shit I keep saying it's good shit I gotta it find is. another crutch word yeah but, <laughs> and and uh, I you know not reading the books but just the continued uh, extrapolation on the dynamic character that is Amos because I think yeah. ultimately what we're finding out is that this show is about it's like the TV show at least in my opinion moving forward and what we've learned so far like it's really going to be a lot about Amos like yeah. Amos for me is like the sort of pivotal character of the right. whole thing even right. though we've been sold it's Holden and we've been sold it's Miller and we've been sold it's you know, different people at different times. It's it's yeah. really Amos. Well, maybe then that's maybe that's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And I, I, uh, uh, it is interesting. Did I already say this once this episode to think about how much? Yes, I did. It's the first fucking thing I said. How much the process of the show informs the books after the two are occurring concurrently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because there's like you get your first point of view chapters for Amos in book five, and he's physically different but he reads like amos does in the fifth season of the show but that amos didn't doesn't really exist in the books until then but he's been in the show since episode i don't know it's great it's all good shit <laughs> it's good shit. um i need i've walked fucking hell uh something else i need it's, something else it's great poop x yeah excellent leavings <laughs> prime festus it's wonderful scat <laughs> um but yeah man fucking a well good job i feel good Thanks. i feel i you feel too. happy that we completed something we did 
we've we've accomplished an an, an objective. Um, now I can finally watch the last three episodes of season three. I wonder what happens. I don't, I, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I've been avoiding moving forward. Oh no! <laughs> I when when we watched this the very first time, this episode ends with so much momentum that I couldn't help myself, and I watched the rest of season three. And now I'm, wanna, but I didn't take any notes. Like I didn't do it. It wasn't prep. It was just like this show's so good. I'm going to enjoy it for a minute. Uh, and now I need to actually go prepare. But I do remember what happened because I just watched it. So anyway, <laughs> well, go prepare, and we'll record that one tomorrow. Okay. All right. Until next we'll time, we'll talk to you Hanna's then. Hanna's out of town until Saturday, so we'll see. Oh, hey. Might actually happen. Hey. Might actually happen. All right, y'all. All talk right. to you later. Bye. Bye.